You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm just so glad to have you with me for this conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. My guest for this conversation today is Brittany Moses, and we are going to talk about waiting. In our single mom season, it constantly feels like we are waiting for something. And whether that's waiting on a job or a housing situation or something to happen with our kids or a significant relationship, it definitely seems that there's just something always around the corner that's uncertain. And handling that can be really difficult. Brittany is a single mom, and she's going to talk about some of the things that God has revealed to her in her seasons of waiting. She talks about the things that God has done through her. She talks about our tendency to want to shortcut the process and how we can get a hold of that. She also talks about the value of having hopes and dreams, but how to kind of keep those in check as we do wait on what it is that God has for us. Also, one of the questions that I get a lot through our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective, is what to do if after your season of waiting, God does bring a new person into your life and how to introduce that person to your children. And that's something that Brittany will touch on as well. Seasons of waiting can be difficult because they are often marked with this heavy sense of loneliness. But in our seasons of waiting, there are things that we can do to work through those feelings of loneliness and prepare ourselves for what God might have for us in the future. With that in mind, I've developed a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you wanna take that quiz and it takes just a couple of minutes, you'll have the ability to learn some of those things that might be contributing to your specific experience with loneliness and how you can work through them in this waiting season. If you'd like to take that quiz, just head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. Before we get started today, I do want to tell you about our guest, Brittany Moses. Brittany is a mental health advocate, encouraging the integration of faith, culture, and wellness. She's a mom and a Los Angeles native, and she walks the walk holding to a faith-informed approach to mental health that is deeply steeped in personal experience and compassion for those she serves. When she's not writing posts for her popular blog, BrittanyMoses.com, or hosting her faith and mental wellness podcast, Brittany can be found hitting the beaches in California and spending precious time with her son, Austin, and partner, Jason. As you listen to this conversation today, I hope that you will hear something that will encourage you in your own season of waiting. Here is my conversation with Brittany Moses. Brittany, I am so excited you could join me for this conversation today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love the conversations that you're having. And as we spoke earlier, I think it's, I think we have a lot to talk about and that's mm-hmm. going to be really, hopefully really helpful. Awesome. <laughs> well, Brittany, I want the listener to know more about you first. We're going to dive into waiting and waiting on God and this in-between season of single motherhood, but I want the mm-hmm. listener to get to know you first. So tell us about your journey through single motherhood. 
Yeah. I'm like, gosh, long story made really short, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually had my son at 18 years old, um, unexpectedly, right after graduating from high school. I was with his dad since I was 16 years old. And coming from a very broken place at that time, um, actually, my, my parents had gone through a pretty devastating divorce. My beautiful, wonderful, lovely parents um, coming from that ended up in both ended up in a, abusive type relationships mm-hmm. that we were under as kids. And me getting away from that, me kind of escaping that was uh, living with my grandparents where I was kind of in a you know, living my life kind of the way I was going about and led me into running into my son's father at the time. And, you know, he was kind of lost and broken. I was kind of lost and broken. And uh, it was, but it was an escape for me from my situation. Um, And so we were together since we were 16 years old. My lovely son, Austin, who's 11 now came out of that. And we, uh, yeah, we're young. We're living in Los Angeles. We're trying to figure out our lives. And we decided, hey, how are we going to, you know, actually make something of ourselves? It's crazy expensive to live in LA. We're young. We're trying to figure this out. We moved to Dallas, Texas, um, trying to get on our feet. Now, he was struggling with some addictive type behaviors. There ended up being some infidelity mm-hmm. um, and a lot of self destructive behaviors that really that was really hurting us and it was hard to survive in those circumstances. So that's kind of where I leave it out of the Mm -hmm. most respect that I can have for him still learning and growing, you know, um, it's a fine line, right? I think a lot of us understand like narrating that is kind of a fine line, but long story short, you know, things hit kind of hit the fan and he ended up deciding to go a different way with his life. And I ended up, kind of having to rebuild a pretty much homeless living with a friend on a friend's couch who took me and my son in with her and her husband and her two kids who just happened to be the same age as my son. Um, and then decided to go back home, back to California and start over and actually started going back to school, which led me to get getting into UCLA, which is amazing. And this whole journey of where I talk a lot about the intersection of faith and mental health and have been kind of had a growing platform around that, which has been awesome. And being able to work from home, doing content creation. So things really did absolutely turn around for me. It's kind of, I hate to say this, but you realize how much that marriage, that whole situation was really holding you back, how much anxiety I was living with every single day, how much I had to heal and recover from to even just find my true self. Cause we, I was in it since I was, you know, 17, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. having to re-navigate who am I, you know, why did I make these choices? Where was it coming from? All of that. Um, And also that was around the time I rededicated my life to Christ was when I had my son. Um, And so was serving in churches for years as well. Um, So that's kind of like, that's kind of where things are. I mean, today I am living in LA uh, with my son and I'm working from home. I actually just started my own business around content creation. I'm going to school at UCLA and I'm in a loving, you know, three and a half year relationship, which is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And we're excited for the future. So there's definitely another side. There's another side to all of it. That's good. I love the hope in your story too, Brittany. And I had a similar journey in the sense that 
I met my ex-husband when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about not having your true self, when you meet someone that young, a lot of your identity is still being formed and your understanding of who you are. And if you come yeah. from brokenness, it's really easy to get wrapped into a relationship that's not healthy for you and to start mm-hmm. having a distorted sense of your own identity, yourself, yeah. your purpose, all those kinds of things because of being in this situation. And I love though, how God has plucked you from that and brought you yeah. into this new season that you're in right now. But I know it didn't come without some struggle. And I know that yeah. it came as, as we talked about before with, it's kind of like a cat, like you said, with nine lives yeah. or, you know, you, you feel like you've walked many yeah. journeys <laughs> on the way to where you are right now. Yeah. So illuminate to us what that waiting on God felt like for you in this yeah. period of time where you're making choices about I'm homeless. What am I going to do for work? I'm moving back home, all these kinds of things. Talk about how waiting really impacted your experience there? It really was a one day at a time kind of thing. I I did feel very aimless after that. And I lived with a lot of anxiety because right after going through that, you know, whole divorce and trying to figure out your living situation, I always tell people this was probably the hardest part of it. um, Because when I actually got out of the divorce, this might sound terrible to say, but I felt free. You know, that's just the reality of it. I felt kind of free and liberated from all of the destruction and anxieties that I was living under in that situation. But I did feel very anxious about what was coming next in my life. And I just thank God for friends and family that was able to be supportive. I don't know if I would have gotten through it the same without friends and family and even plugged into church and mentorships that just continue to speak the truth in me. So all of that being said, I think for me, it actually shifted from less of this waiting period to more of this just healing and growth and development period. I wasn't so focused on the outcome of my life at that point because I just didn't know what the outcome would totally be. Um, it's very unknown. You're, you're, you're kind of trekking in these, dark waters (laughs) and maybe you have it's kind of like you have a light but it's only illuminating the first you know 10 Mm -hmm. feet in front of you so you take those 10 feet Mm -hmm. and then you next 10 feet that's kind of what it felt like coming out of that whole situation and rebuilding my life so at first it felt like you're just trying to stay afloat you know you're just trying to survive and then I could start And then when I got into a situation where I felt more stable, you know, I had this, I was living with a friend, you know, for some time I I grieved, I definitely grieved and I had to see a therapist for my anxiety and all of that. And I found community again at church. Once I found that footing, um, then I could start thinking more proactively about the future. So I just want to, I think, really normalize the fact that it's okay if you don't know exactly right away how everything is going to path out because our brains are wired for survival. So that really does just kind of hijack everything. Um, It's kind of like if you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like first your focus is basic needs. It's food, it's shelter, it's water, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you can move on to the relationships and then you can move on to, you know, like self-actualization and personal development and all of that. Um, At first you're trying to survive. So, you know, so there was a moment where I was kind of like, you know, God, am I ever going to find someone again? Mm -hmm. Like who's going to choose me and a kid, you know, um, kind of that feeling of maybe feeling like leftovers in a way, Mm -hmm. a lot of internalized shame, a lot of internalized failure. And 
I realized that I just needed to use that time to heal. Um, and I had to stop thinking about like, what's going to come, like what's going to come next, you know, and focusing on who's God, who's God going to bring. I had to really set that aside and just say, you know what, I need to focus on healing. I need to get back to the roots of who I am. Like you said, we were so young. Um, like what was lost? Why did I make these choices? What are the generational cycles that I'm caught up in? All of that stuff. And that is a whole project. Like that is more than enough work to be doing and to be focusing on. And it was really as I was working on those things that, you know, everything else was kind of added along the way, if that makes sense. Totally. And I appreciate what you're saying about it feeling like it's 10 feet in front of you at a time. And I think that felt so foreign to me because I was the kind of person that had my whole life planned out. You know, it was like, I'm going to graduate from high school and then I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to get married. You know, after that, it was just like I had the trajectory. And then it was like all of my planning could not get me out of the situation that I was in. And God showed me the beautiful restraint Mm -hmm. that it is to wait on him one step at a time. And sometimes that felt like one hour at a time, you know, you're just in so much pain and that kind of thing, but that he has what we need and trusting him is really scary. You know, so when you're talking about, well, you know, is anybody going to be interested in me and, you know, all this sort of thing, it's a real concern or it's a, it's a real desire of your heart. Right. But God is so good. I feel like to help us step backwards a little bit and say, I've got so many things right before that, you know, so let's, let's, let's rein it way back in, but it's giving up that control of like, but God, this is the thing I really want. And I think the thing that he always stills my mind when I get too far off in one direction or another is, Mm -hmm. you know, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things are added to you. So when you're seeking first the kingdom, you're seeking first your relationship with him. He'll give you the things that you need. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll he'll maybe adjust the desires of your heart, give you new ones, you know, whatever those things are, but that he's so gentle with us in that process that giving them to him is giving them to someone who is going to do something really great with them for our good, (laughs) you know, but I know it's hard to get there. So in your, you wrote a blog post though, about this kind of in-between season and this waiting period Mm -hmm. of time. And in it, you say that we might need this season more than we realize. So I wanted to know if you would kind of expand on that idea and what waiting on God really does both for us and in us. Yeah, I, I've the older I get, the realize the more I realize how much time really is your friend. Um, time kind of gives you more discernment, and like I said about you know really looking at those cycles because because chances are our choices were based out of uh, some tendency like of our cycles. Maybe it is from the ho- the household that we came from, and we repeated what was familiar in some way, right? So if you don't take the time to to heal, then you just repeat, right? Right. It's that whole idea of what we don't repair, we repeat. Mm-hmm. So um, time is always our friend when it comes to healing, um, for sure. God definitely works in that. And not only that, but like you said, he kind of takes us down this path that we never would have imagined for ourselves. Um, there's no way that you would have told me when I was homeless on a friend's couch that I'd be at UCLA and, you know, looking to apply for a PhD program and having this program where I'm working from home. And like, there's no way you would have told, I would have believed that, but this is just the way that my path was kind of charting out along the way. 
And I think for a lot of us, we joke about having like being cats and having nine lives, but it's those same exact things that allow us to uniquely sit with people who are in the same shoes that we've been in and to have empathy and compassion because we know what it feels like to be face down in the arena. You know, we know what it feels like to, to feel that way. So, um, so it really does better equip us for those that we walk through life with and those that we journey with and being able to connect with one another. So I, I've seen all that definitely as a strength. Like, you know, even in going back to school for psychology, so much of this became applicable for me through my studies because I had so many life experiences that were surrounding what I was learning. So that was actually an advantage for me in schooling in a way. And just even being able to have conversations like this, uh, every single detour, every single, you know, setback, what have you has just equipped me with unique experience. Um, and, and I'm sure those who are listening as well, that kind of only comes by experience that you can't read in a book um, that really colors what you're doing going forward. So I, in that sense, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm grateful for the time that it took. And then now being in this just wonderful relationship um, of like three and a half years and we're looking at the future, I always joke with him. I'm like, I'm so glad you met me the time that you met me. Because if you would have met me, you know, five years prior, I would have been a different person. You would have been with a different person. I needed to heal the shame. I needed to heal the feelings of failure. I needed to heal the insecurity. I needed to heal the doubt. I needed to heal all those things so I wouldn't go into my next relationship with these things coloring that relationship and being filtered through that relationship. And uh, yeah, so and carrying over. So, so definitely grateful for the time. Well, and I've seen the same thing in my own journey where I I think we have these feelings sometimes like, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, and it, I don't think waiting always means we do nothing, right? Like, so just because I'm waiting on God does not mean, for example, I'm not going to date, right? But in the dating process, God would show me again, like, uh, you're not ready, <laughs> you know? Or like you said, you're, you, I see myself two, three years ago and the person I am now, and I'm so different because oh. through my experiences, God has healed all these things I didn't know were there. Healed codependency, yeah. healed anxiety, you know, a lot of this stuff. And it's not to say I'm perfect, right? But Great. I know the partner that I would be and that I would be a match for, that would be mm. matched for me, me for him, that that looks different now because I'm in a lot healthier space. And so because of that, it turns my perspective towards my life and what's going to come in the future and say, well, I just want it to be right. And so I can wait on that. And yeah. it helps to, when you know yourself, you know your purpose, you're walking exactly. in that. It just helps to heal that lonely feeling. It just puts you in such a good space with God in your life that it's like, if someone's going to come into this life, he's got to add to it. And I'm going to add to him because I don't that want to. Literally, that was literally my inner vow. It's like the next person mm. that comes along is going to have to add, you know, because um, I think a lot, especially with codependency, we we are very often like molding ourselves around the person. And I, and I find this with even a lot of my friends where they're like, Oh, well, I can be this. I'm like, but are they good for you? Yeah. You know? And you do have to get to that place of heal of that healed place, that secure place to go. Okay. Wait a minute. What about what 
my needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As women, we tend to do that, right? We yes. tend to mold ourselves around everyone. And I love what you said about waiting because it, when I think about it, I think about this analogy of a waiter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a waiter is waiting on people, right? They're waiting on tables, but they're still doing things as they're waiting on people, whether it's like picking something up or cleaning something up. As they're waiting on people, they are still doing things. They're still progressing. And so that's how I also see waiting when it comes to waiting on God. Like, yes, you're waiting on God, but you're also positioning yourself. You're also doing the healing work. It's We know that faith without works is dead. So you're doing the works. You're doing the practical things too. So that's how I view you know waiting on God. And I just think of action as information, right? So like there's so much of healing that I will have just me and God, right? And there are some times where dating was not appropriate for me because I would have either gotten hurt or hurt somebody, right? So there was that time where it was like, this is not a good practice for me right now. But it didn't mean that I wasn't also going out and creating healthy friendships and yeah. you know, living my life, learning what it was to be the person God made me to be, starting to re- like, I shouldn't even say rediscover because I don't know that I ever knew. So just discover, yeah. <laughs> you know, who he made me yeah. to be. Um, so that when it came time for me to start getting more information about what I would want in a relationship, sometimes you can only get that by kind of testing those waters. And God shows you in the midst of that more of what he has and sometimes more of what he doesn't have. And yeah, that when we're not too hasty to just jump into something. We yeah. can see those lessons and they're a little less painful, not to say they, they won't be painful, but right. <laughs> we're resilient. We're more adaptable than we realize. Mm-hmm. And I think especially we learned that after divorce, after going through a divorce and rebuilding from that, you kind of are like, okay, I can probably bounce back from just about mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, so <laughs> I think true. I can bump, bounce back from a date. I've just bounced back from years of, mm-hmm. you know, this whole situation. That's so um, good. So then yeah. you can take your time. That's right. So as far as that, though, so yeah. when we get to talking about kind of slowing ourselves down and making sure we're yeah. focused on the right things. Like sometimes we want to shortcut this process. We're getting either impatient or we're lonely yeah. or we just like really want a partner, you know, and those kinds of things. We want to move on with our lives. I think that might even be the biggest thing is feeling like this feels like I'm in the middle zone and I want to be like moved on to regular life. So how do you think we can shift our focus or what do we shift our focus to so that we don't shortcut what God has for us in the process and that we don't settle? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of that goes hand in hand with healing because in order, I feel like to feel secure in taking that time, it it comes from a healed place because I know for me, just being honest, after my divorce, you know, you, you have those feelings of shame, of failure, and then it's almost like part of you almost wants to rush to find someone or get into a marriage in this subconscious way to prove to yourself and others that something's mm. not wrong with you. I'm good enough. And that, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you are good enough and that you can be married or you can't, you can't be with someone. Right. But then we're entering from a deficit. Um, we, it's not a choice. It's reaction. It's a reaction to the shame. It's a reaction to the pain. So I think when we're coming from a healed place, we can say, okay, I'm growing. I'm growing with God. I'm growing with my child. That is the focus. And like you said, anyone who comes along is going to be a blessing. It also helps to be focusing on things, you know, focusing on growth, whether it's, you know, maybe you're going back to school or you're working or you're starting a job or you're starting something that you're passionate about. I I do think that working towards something, even if it's just your own healing, is really helpful 
Mm -hmm. um, in that waiting process as well. And I, and you know, I'm just going to say it. It's like, you're not leftovers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like you are not leftovers for the next person. Um, you and your child, your children, you are treasured. Um, you are whole, you are a unit and whoever comes along is going to be blessed and a blessing to be a part of that unit. So I think we have to also shift out of those mindsets and those um, false beliefs that are painted by shame and failure, that we are some type of leftovers that have to earn the next person that comes along. Because when we're coming out of those insecurities and deficits, um, then we end up kind of going into it from the wrong reasons. Then we end up with the wrong people because then it's just like, oh, I'll take someone who accepts me or they showed me attention or, you know, um, and might bypass some red flags just because mm -hmm. they are uh, speaking to those feelings of insecurity and failure and shame coming out of that divorce. So I think for me, taking at least a year of just being single and of just healing, of getting comfortable with myself again, because that's the thing. We were living with someone. We were waking up to someone every day for years. And now you have to completely reframe your mindset and your life around being alone, like physically alone, like we have to physically detach from those things because we are biologically wired to our attachments, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we don't want to have that void and just by feeling it, go look for someone else to attach to. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was school. I was like, OK, I'm really enjoying my courses. I knew I wanted to eventually apply for a Ph.D. program. So part of me was like, you know, maybe I'll just meet someone after school. Like, I don't know. I just kind of projected in the future. And then the person I was with so ha so happened it came along as I was already walking on a journey. Mm. You know, So um, my world wasn't focused around him, if that makes sense, because yeah. I kind of had other things that I was moving toward. So when he came along, it was like I was willing to at least take a year just to get to know him, because in my mind, I was going to be single for a while anyway. I, I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of came to that in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of like, OK, whether or not this works out, I'm going to be OK. Whether or not this works out, I have somewhere I'm trying to get to. You know, my whole identity and purpose is not revolved around this person. And mm -hmm. I'm following. Following God's lead. So, um, so I just took a year to just get to know him, to just discover and understand who he is uh, before introducing him to my son. So he was introduced to my son like a year and a half later. Um, mm. Some people think it's a long time. Some people want to introduce quicker because they want to know for sure if it works out or not. Because if it doesn't work out with their child, then forget it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was really important for us to build a foundation and for me to know who this was, especially coming from a child, being a child of divorce and unfortunately seeing my parents rush into these mm -hmm. um, abusive and dysfunctional relationships that really affected us. I wish they took the time to get to know the person mm -hmm. before bringing them into our lives. Yeah. So I, I think that was my underlying motivation. Um, and, you know, and then they spent, they've spent another kind of year and a half like blending, you know, so that's mm. kind of what equates to our three years, you know, so three whole years might not be everybody's path, you know, they might do it in a year, whatever that is for you. Um, but for me, I think shifting to that mindset of like, we have time. If I'm going to marry this person, we have our whole lives, mm -hmm. you know, let's 
get to know each other. Let me make sure it's healthy. There's no major red flags before I bring my son in because he's my world. (laughs) I wanted him to be safe, you know, um, and guard his little heart. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think just having those motivations and that mentality for me made it a little bit more, uh, it made a little bit more sense for me to take my time. And I felt more settled with that. Um, yeah. And we'll dive into some of that in a little bit as far as like how you actually have done that process <laughs> of introducing your son and yeah. this blending process. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. I want to go back to what you were talking about as far as taking that year off to just rediscover yourself, your life, be single, your faith, all those things. And I totally affirm that because I think so often, like you said, we get used to being coupled that we're extremely Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with being on our own. Mm -hmm. And like, in my case, like I said, met him very young. So I don't really know what it was to be an adult on my own. And I think oftentimes what happens, especially if you've been raised in the church, you've been raised a Christian, we've been taught to be very others focused where we're always putting our emphasis on other people's needs and caring for other people and what it, you know, so it's, we kind of are almost uh, programmed, I guess, to look for someone that we can take care of or serve or something like that. And what God has revealed to me in this process so much is that he wanted to give me more of himself. Yeah. Give me more of myself. Yep. And then that whatever he would have for me in the future, that it would be that you get all three, basically, you know, yeah. or if that's not in the in the plan for me, that I will have a settledness about it because I'll understand more why or that is or is not the case, you know, yeah. but that he he actually has so much more to give us. But Mm. that in taking that time off, we shift that focus off of that other person, off of this outside only focus, and at least put ourselves into the equation. It doesn't mean we don't serve other people. It doesn't mean that we become selfish all of a sudden, but it does for us to give love. We have to receive it first. We have to receive it from God first. We have to know what it's like to live in that love for ourselves and then let our love be the extension of what he's given us out towards other people rather than trying to get it from other people. It's just, I found so incredible how the thing I want, that if we go for the thing you want first, you kind of miss all of it, it seems. You can pull back and allow God to show you what he has today and what he's already given you in himself and in yourself and the people that are around you that there's always, there's always so much more that he wants to do in that. But one thing I want to ask you about too, that you talked about in the blog post is this idea of hopes and dreams. And I think it's a, it's a delicate balance because when you're healing, you want to have hopes and dreams, but it's really scary because your hopes and dreams have been destroyed. (laughs) But sometimes our hopes and dreams can then also become 
somewhat of a fantasy or a distraction that could actually be hurtful to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So can you help us in that process of understanding, dreaming about the future as we're waiting, as we start to anticipate, God, what are you doing? Yeah. How, how can we get that in line? Yeah. I think that hope is so essential. Um, It's essential to our mental health. We need to have something more that we can hope for um, that's going to propel us forward. You know, we think about Hebrews saying, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Um, That's one of the things that that's why I love faith and mental health, because I feel like faith is a hope aspect of it all. And if you don't have that, when I'm in these settings that aren't Christian, it's like, where does your hope come from? Uh, you know, it's like within yourself, but you're still limited. Right. So again, like hope is such an important part of the equation. And when we're talking about waiting and everything that you were just saying, I was just thinking like how the two can still kind of coexist, right? We can hope for uh, if we desire a relationship in the future or what have you, Um you know, that can look like I am healing and I'm going through this process because I want uh, to be my healthiest self in this next relationship. I want to be my best self in this next relationship. I don't want to repeat what has happened in the past. The reason that I'm looking at these patterns in my life and trying to heal them is because I don't want them to repeat in my next relationship. So I think that there was still a part of that, even though I was focusing on myself and I was focusing on just being single and growing, um, there was still a part of it where it's like, I believe and I have a desire in the future at some point. I don't know when, only God knows, um, to be married just based out of the type of person I am. However, I need to heal, but I'm healing for me, obviously my children, my future, but at the same time, I'm healing for that future person. Um, I'm healing for this future relationship. So I did have some hope. I also had to have some older, wiser, lovely women speak Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I had a mentor when I went back to church, I was, you know, I just decided to get involved in a mentorship. Um, The woman just happened to be like a retired therapist. She was so much older than me. And I was thinking, how are we going to relate? Like, you know, we're like so culturally different in this and that. But she was like exactly who I needed. Mm -hmm. And she and I remember she just said she was like, Brittany, she was like, you're intelligent. You're beautiful. You have things going on. Someone is going to gravitate to you like someone. And and I don't know why, but it was just like, I needed to hear that in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think because I was feeling so insecure and ambiguous about my situation, you'd be surprised how just the right word at the right time is like going to reframe that limiting belief because you, the belief in the back of my mind was who would marry someone with a child who would take more on who would. And so having that, she was like, there's going to be someone, someone is out there. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to worry about that. Like you can continue focused on what you're doing. So, um, so she was helpful. I think it's really important to have people in your life who are speaking life, who are speaking hope, who are speaking truth into you. Um, And most of all, just knowing that God is faithful, even when we feel faithless and he knows our desires, he knows what we need. So there's a big element that's just like trusting in God and his sovereignty and saying, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I, but I trust you, Lord, I trust uh, the way that you're taking things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll focus on this healing in the process. So yeah, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for your children, but you you also are 
basically doing it for your future relationship too. And that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so wonderful too, to frame it as that you are taking this time to prepare for the future and you're submitted, I think in that. And I think that's where hopes and dreams are great when they happen alongside with God. And I think that's the thing that I've had to learn is that if you have like a, Oh, well, what if you did this God or, Oh, you know, like, but if I'm talking to God about it, then He's either going to say to me, you know, something like, eh, let's just stay focused on today, you know, or he may say, I'm so creative, you know, like (laughs) I've got you in mind. Like if you imagine that, you know, like I I'm, I'm ultimately more creative. So you can trust that whatever, if you're coming up with these things, you know, like (laughs) I have something good for you too, you know? So it's just one of those things that I think if we're always just submitting them to God and saying like, Mm -hmm. we can be curious about the future and we can even do things that are preparatory for the future. Yeah. And as long as we don't fix on a certain outcome that has to look a certain way, be a certain way, then we can at least have a healthy expectancy that there's something good ahead, even if we don't know what the shape that that might take is. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I literally just like posted that on my Instagram stories this morning. And this has kind of been my philosophy around life, not just with relationships, but also with school, with Mm. uh, work, whatever it is, like building a business. It's like, I've learned that you really have to be in and and enjoy and trust the process more than the outcome. Yeah. Because if you if you cling too much to the outcome, it's kind of that paradox of the things that we try to control end up controlling us in return. Mm, right. Yeah. So then we become fixated on it. Then it's the outcome that is driving us instead of our convictions and our values and, and our true selves and in, in, in the spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're more driven and controlled by a fixed outcome. And so, yeah, it's like we have to, we need to learn to just enjoy the beauty. I think that's where I was at in that year of just being myself. It was just like every day, it was like discovering something more about myself or discovering something that I overlooked about myself or seeing something different that I didn't see before that I needed healing from. Whatever it was, it was just this discovery process and enjoying that process and saying, God, you know, I trust you with with the outcome. Of course, we have goals that we want, um, but as we've all experienced, life does not always go as planned and you can do all the right things. You can check off all the right boxes, right? And things can still go as unplanned and unexpectedly, but we are adaptable. So I encourage people to focus more on adaptability Mm -hmm. um, than kind of fixed outcomes that it's like, hey, this is a goal, but at the same time, we are able to adapt as things are happening. Um, And there's more than one way to get to a goal, right? (laughs) I love that because I think that focuses where our control is and what we choose to invest It's what the input is rather than the outcome. And so I can focus on how much I'm working on my faith or or my healing or my relationships that do exist with my community, my kids, because that's something I want to be great for the now, but also for the later. If this person does come into my life, I want my relationship with my kids to be as good as it can be for them and for him, right? But it's realizing like there's so much you can be doing with your life right now that the outcome, we we can just trust that into God's hands and we yeah. can get excited about the day-to-day. We could actually fall so in love with our lives from day-to-day yeah. 
right now that we just will, we can look towards that as like more good because we can see exactly. that the good's already in our day to day today. It's already there. And I, and I hate to say this, but you know, as I'm getting older, um, you know, more people are kind of, I'm noticing more people are passing away like before their time. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I don't mean to be getting dark, but just very sobering. You know, mm-hmm. I also think about how no day is guaranteed, right? We're not guaranteed, like we're not guaranteed our days. Mm-hmm. And so if you put way too much focus on the future and that my life is going to be happy once I reach this destination or I'm going to be whole once I have this person and you put it in this far off destination, which always tends to be a moving target, then you're always living at this deficit. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, no day is guaranteed. And so I think it's so important to recognize that purpose is already in front of you. It's already around you. It's Mm -hmm. already in the places that you've been assigned to. It's already in the people that are around you. It's already in the gifts and skills that you've been given. And we are only called to make the most of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not promised a like particular certain future, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think just putting things back into perspective, I know it's been very sobering for me as I've seen people pass in the past year to really go, okay, wait, I have these goals, but like, in all reality, like no day is actually guaranteed to anyone. So I actually need to be thinking a lot as well about what I'm making of the life in front of me. That's really important to me. And that's been very sobering to me. And I've actually found that I've just been happier and healthier thinking that way of being more present. That is so wise. And I'm so glad. I don't think that's dark or morbid at all. And I think... (laughs) I think it's always this dance for us, you know, of we don't want to live too far in the past, but we want to learn from it. We don't want to live too far in the future, but we do want to have something to hope for that we're working towards and those kinds of things. And I find that God actually uses my frustration in these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm too frustrated about the future, he's calling me back to think about today. He's calling yeah. me back to what can I invest into my relationships with my kids today or in yeah. my relationship with him today, you know, and those kinds of things. So he uses those times that we're off balance for our good to help us pull back. But we have to be conscious of that fact that this is where we are today, that tomorrow has enough worry for itself, as Jesus would tell us. You know? <laughs> so as far as you mentioned that you uh, have been seeing somebody. And yeah. so I wanted to know if you would tell us a little bit about the logistics. You did kind of mention there was this time for you and him to get to know each other. But how was it, you know, as you've gone through this journey of waiting and then you meet this person and you're learning what it is to give time to the relationship and all of that for you to actually then start making actionable steps of like, oh, this mm. now I feel like is a time or, you know, were there milestones for you or things you had to know before you would get to the next step? You know, tell us what that process looked like. Oh gosh. So it's really interesting. Cause like I said, I was kind of on my own journey. You know, I was kind of, I've always been a very like independent person at heart, I think. And so I was like, I had my son, I was trying to focus on building kind of a future for us, securing us, going to school, but I did position myself, right? I did put myself out there. I, we actually met online. Um, I was like, let me just try this. I didn't really have any expectations from it to be completely honest. Like I was like, I don't know what's going to come of this. This might be a total fluke, but I put myself actually on Bumble at the time. Um, I think I liked it because 
the girls have to reach out first. Mm-hmm. Like the guys can't just message in with that. The girl has to reach out first and then the guy can respond type of thing. So I don't know. I think I like that dynamic. Yeah. yeah. I found that it just keeps the inbox like really, like <laughs> really tight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I met him through that. I actually did go on two dates before him and we, we, we both did. He wasn't on that long either. He went on two dates before me. I went on two dates before him and we were both like, those were actually really decent dates. Like they actually went well, but for a reason it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we met each other for our third date. And um, I think, again, this was online. So this was somebody I didn't know. So this is also probably why it took longer for me. It's different than like maybe someone you've known for some time or you've been around and then you meet, that might be a completely different dynamic. So that's part of why I wanted to take like at least a year (laughs) to get to know this person, their friendships, their family, like who they are as a whole person. So we we were just having fun and and, and then asking questions, getting to know each other. Um, I did not want to force on him when to meet my son. I didn't, I personally did not want it to feel like a forced thing. I wanted it to be organic. I wanted it to be like when he felt comfortable. But also I think for me, I was also a little defensive too. Cause I was like, I want to make sure this kind of works before I bring you into my son's life. Like I just don't, didn't want men in and out of my son's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a year and a half in uh, he he, in so many words, basically said like he wanted to meet him and he was ready to meet him. He kind of said, it's funny, like you, you've met my whole family, but I haven't really met like a ton mm-hmm. of yours yet. Mm-hmm. I have more, I had more of the de- defenses, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, the door's open. You're welcome to whenever you're ready. And then he mentioned that he was ready. So introduced him to my son. We went to a kind of, we went to a neutral place, right? So we went to Dave and Buster's where they could play games, eat food. So that was really great. They got along really well. They are both gamers. They're actually more perfect for each other than I could have come (laughs) up with. I always joke. It's a God thing. People Mm -hmm. joke that Austin is more Jason than me. Like they're, they're very, their personalities are very, Mm. very aligned. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that led to him meeting more of my family. Um, and I think the pandemic really brought us close into talking more about marriage and the future. Um, we both had fears when it came to marriage. Mm. He saw his parents' marriage not work out. I had just been divorced. I went th- was a child of a really tumultuous divorce. So we, one of the reasons, if we're completely honest, that we kind of took our time was because we had a deep-seated fear mm-hmm. and a lot of negative associations around marriage and that it kind of just ends badly or mm-hmm. it gets worse. Mm-hmm. So we had to deal with that. I was seeing a therapist <laughs> on my own and dealing with those core beliefs. Mm. And um, then we had conversations about it and then said, okay, yeah, let's let's start talking about what that looks like. So that's something that between me and the listeners here and you that we are, we're planning for. So, mm. so that's like a long story made really short about what the process looked like yeah. for us. It's been yeah. really wonderful. I love that you said that you kind of allowed, did you say his name is Jason? Yeah. That you allowed Jason to bring it up. As Mm -hmm. far as when he even was ready. And I do think that that can be a tendency for us to sort of say, well, 
let's get this introduction out of the way so we can see if there's some compatibility here. And maybe you're not even really sure if there's enough compatibility within your own relationship. And so that can add an extra layer of stress where we think it might add more information. It may actually just end up adding more stress. And so I like that you are responsive in that sense of I, that I will respond when he declares that he's ready or interested or whatever, but that you guys gave each other the time to first determine where you were with each other. And even still, I I so appreciate though, that you were, you're so transparent about the fact that there was still work to be done after that, that there is still therapy and there's still conversations about how do we do this and all of that kind of thing. Because I think that's real life. You know, I don't think that we're going to be able to just always have that we know that we know that we know. And it may be the case, but for others where they're if they're feeling resistant or they're feeling that there are a lot of wounds to work through, I just love yeah. that you guys have been so attentive to that. And yeah. I think it's for the best of everybody, but especially your son. Yeah. In the fact that there's openness and dialogue about this, that nothing is seen as mm-hmm. like a quick fix it or a band-aid or now we're ready, you know, or that kind of thing, that there's there's no denial about what truly is right each of each of you is feeling how about your son's reaction what did you see in as time has gone through his reaction to meeting this person yeah I, i every kid is different right everybody has different every kid has different personality traits um and whatnot so for my son you particularly he has a very laid back go with the flow kind of loves everyone personality. (laughs) So um, I actually have to like more so check in with him to be like, okay, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about mommy being in a relationship? What do you think about mommy getting married? I have to prompt him because he's a type that will just kind of internalize things or go with the flow or not say anything. Mm -hmm. So their encounter was very positive. I mean, they're playing games, you know, Um, he, I think always kind of pictured me eventually having someone in my life. Like when he was younger, I'd be like, like, what do you think about mommy being, you know, single? And he say something like, you know, well, I just don't want you to be alone, (laughs) you know, or something like that. Yeah, My kids have said the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, I want you to be happy. And I think he associated happy with, you know, being Mm. with someone, which I did clarify with him. I was like, you know, actually I'm very content. (laughs) Like we're fine. But yeah, I mean, I could see myself being with someone. So I already knew he kind of wanted to eventually see someone in the picture also Mm -hmm. because he wants another sibling, which I'm like, Uh, (laughs) motivations, first of all, like, you're like I it's my body right? so, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but he, I think was happy to see someone in my life um and uh have that having that another I think male figure he did he did like they got along really well Jason's very kind very patient he has a very easygoing nature too so they mm-hmm. both have very similar personality traits so they i mean they have their own language because they're both gamers so austin will bring up something out of the blue that's game like and i have no idea what he's talking about and jason will like answer or finish his sentence mm-hmm. so that was i just think that has been a god thing their relationship has been like kind of i'm like hand in glove you know yeah, yeah. um which i couldn't have I couldn't have imagined. And on that note, I did want to mention that in that kind of in-between phase of 
dating and then introducing your son. I did have my anxieties and there really is, I think a lot of single moms can identify with this. There's just no like handbook or guidebook out there for taking those steps. I was like, going on Google and I was just, I remember searching like when to introduce your child to your, to their, you know, to your uh, significant other and looking in the single moms Facebook groups of like what other women's experiences were and what they were saying just to kind of get a gauge of, I think I was trying to find like what was normal, Mm -hmm. but there was no normal. Like it just depends on your child that, you know, the personality and nature of your child. It depends on the person that you're with. It depends on what you're healing from. Like there's so many dynamics that you really have to move through according to your own convictions. Mm -hmm. Um, And also if you can, like the support of those around you who are healthy and wise, but it's just going to depend. My situation may look completely different for another person's situation where say that child is still healing from the parents not being together and maybe right. introducing someone in this situation creates more strife or maybe they're not seeing eye to eye. That's more, those are more things to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, I know very well, it's going to be different for every person. Um, but for me, we waited a year and a half. I let him bring it up. We chose a neutral space like Dave and Buster's mm-hmm. and I just let their relationship grow. And I told Jason, I said, I am not, I mean, of course, I expect the basics of like respect and care, you know, around my son, but I don't have like a, like a list of expectations of who you're to be to Austin, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you guys have your relationship. I just wanted it to develop organically as far as what it looks like for them. And also take the pressure off of Jason because he'd never been a father before. Mm -hmm. He's never had a kid before. So then they have the pressure of, you know, maybe thinking that we are expecting them to be all these things. Mm -hmm. And I had to make it clear to him, like, I'm not expecting you to be a dad (laughs) right now. You know, Um, I'm not expecting you to be this checklist of things for my child. Just, I just want you guys to grow your relationship and love organically. And I know I, by this time I already know he's a respectful and caring person. So I'm not worried about that. Um, and that's how it's developed and their relationship looks like what it re- looks like for them. And mm-hmm. I'm satisfied with that. I think that's very wise because as you said, he's not going to be ready to be an Insta dad. No, <laughs> that also finding his rhythm as a father in this type of a situation or yeah. taking on that father role, he needs to find his style just as we've had time to find our styles and exactly. allowed God to work on us and work out those rough edges and that sort of thing. And the fact is you are parenting alone and you know how to do it alone. And so where you would have a partner in the situation, you want them to back you up and that sort of thing, but you're okay to take the lead with that because you've been with your son since the exactly. beginning. Exactly. <laughs> so continuing to take that lead, I think is what is most natural between you and your son, but then also gives Jason the time to move into that space. And it may be years, even as you continue to develop what that rhythm looks like, but that what's really the most important thing is that the relationships between the three of you Mm -hmm. maintain that sense of respect and honor and care and compassion. And just brings grace into the whole equation. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. And now, you know, three and a half years later, I mean, we, we talked about this. I was like, you have all these like just natural. Um, he, ha- he actually has all of these kind of natural 
father-like qualities. Um, his father was very present in his life. And I think he had that example, that basis to go off of. So he's very nurturing with Austin. They, he just took him to get haircuts. Sometimes when it's, you know, he's not cutting his food right. He's just very attentive and showing him being instructional, showing him how to do things around the house. So all those things that he qualities he didn't know he had that were dormant, mm. um, they all came to light. Like they all came out and flourished when he was given just the freedom to let their relationship develop the way mm. that was unique to them. And I couldn't, I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better partner. Yeah. And if I can even tie that back into what you learned through your waiting process, though, in your waiting period of time, we learn these disciplines with God of not controlling and yeah. of having balance and letting him lead us as we go through these things. And they're, they sound to be skills that you've had to rely on. Though you now are in this relationship, you may not be, quote unquote, in the waiting anymore. These are disciplines that you've had to now rely on as it's come to blending the three of you together. Yeah, I think that going through the divorce and starting over, going through the the slow process of school, going back to school, I feel like all of these these restarts, these detours really shook that control off of mm-hmm. me. Like that 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 really heavy need to control. Like if you were speaking to me maybe 5, 6, 7 years ago, I'd be a completely different person, but I've been through, right? <laughs> same, 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 same. <laughs> like, but I've been through so much at this point that's kind of rocked me to my core um in a good way mm-hmm. that it really shook off all of those ideologies and um tendencies. And I'm grateful for that. I'm kind of like, yeah, my approach on life is a little bit more, a little bit more easygoing than it used to be. <laughs> Same. I think you and I have had a similar journey in this way. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. I am, I went from ultra type A to, yeah. well, let's just see what's going on today. It's all right. <laughs> but I think what you're also the thing you're pointing to that though, your relationship with the Lord has been sweet yeah. in this healing period mm-hmm. of time. So you trust him. And so you can walk into these things without that need to control to hope it with an, hold it with an open hand because you trust him. As we get to the end of conversation, I ask every guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Oh gosh. I'm like one, one thing. There's so many things. Um, I think the biggest thing is just to um, not internalize your situation or read your situation as your identity. And what I mean is that, you know, maybe you went through a divorce or a breakup or whatever that led you to where you are. Um, that is not an experience that you had. It is not a definition of who you are. So it doesn't, sometimes we go through an experience and then we translate it to our identity. You know, just because someone maybe didn't have the capacity to treat you right or love you in the way that you should have been loved. That doesn't mean you're unlovable just because someone walked away or cheated. It doesn't mean that you are unworthy, right? Um, or defected. So uh, those are the things that I just want to encourage is reframing and really digging into the core beliefs that we've internalized about ourselves or the narratives and messages that are running in our core beliefs based off of the experiences that we have. Uh, the brain is associative. It tends to do that. But we need to work on reframing those because that is where our choices are going to filter out of and the people that we choose are going to filter out of. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage doing some self-reflection on those messages and knowing that your experiences are what have happened to you and separate that from, from who you actually are. Those are two completely different things. 
Mm, So good. Such a very good reminder. I appreciate that. Brittany, tell listeners about your podcast and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So I have the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, and that is where we have conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, mental health, and wellness with both mental health professionals, so researchers, psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists, you name it, and those with lived experience, so those who have lived through depression, anxiety. We had a conversation about single motherhood as well, all the things that come with that. Uh, so that's a podcast where you can listen all places podcasts can be listened to Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. And then you can connect with me on Instagram, Brittany Moses, Twitter. I always say the best place is probably the blog, BrittanyAMoses.com, which kind of houses everything. So, and I love meeting new friends. So come along if you enjoy these types of conversations or conversations around faith and mental health. Absolutely. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes so that listeners can find you very easily. But thank you so much for joining me today. It was so good to have you. Oh, so great to be here. I I feel like I always enjoy these conversations. For me, waiting on the Lord is this thing that is often a back and forth. It's something that sometimes I feel like I have a great grasp on and then other times that I feel like I'm totally losing my mind. But something that God has revealed to me and actually within the last few weeks is that in those times where I am just not sure what He's doing and what He's up to, that I can talk to him about that. And though I might not get the answers right in that moment, he always brings me the peace that it is that I need to keep going. So if that is you, I just want you to take a moment right now and just talk to God about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're worried about, and I know he's gonna meet you in it. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. 